What a great God we serve. What a great God He is and um, a God who is deserving great worship and praise. And I think we have offered that up to Him today. But as we celebrate Lord's Supper today, and we also celebrated the other ordinance in our church, is baptism in both, each, both of the worship hours, uh, we come to a conclusion of the Kingdom Implication series of messages that we began uh, back in January. Uh, chronologizing uh, what Jesus talked about, about the Kingdom of Heaven is near, the Kingdom of Heaven is in you. Uh, and we come to, to uh, consummate that today, see the fulfillment of that in the marriage feast uh, of the Lamb. I think that's what Jesus was making reference to when he began the Lord's Supper, initiated that with his disciples, and he talked about the cup in particular. And he said, I will not drink of this again until I drink it anew in my Father's kingdom. And we find that in uh, the Gospels, and particularly here in Matthew 26, that while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks. And offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus is talking about the time to come when the kingdom that he has described as being here, now, near, and in us will be the time in which the kingdom is fulfilled. And Jesus will sit down with us, we will be his bride, he will be our groom, and we will celebrate together the marriage feast of the Lamb, and he will celebrate that meal with us, and he will drink from that cup. This parable we look at today in Matthew 22 foretells of that great day in the kingdom when we enjoy that meal as the bride, which is us, the church, weds our groom, which is Jesus. I've been in ministry for 41 years. I don't know how many weddings I've done. I really haven't kept track of them. Uh, Every one of them is different. Sometimes there's been a lot of humor in some of them. Sometimes there's been sadness in some of them. Uh, But uh, uh, I'm always asked by by Cookie, if if she's not here with me, or she'll make, she is here, she'll make comments about, wasn't that unique about the bridesmaids' dresses? And I'd say, what's unique about that? She said, well, they had the same color, but they were different designs. They were just told what color to get. They could go pick out what they want so they could wear it later. And I said, didn't pay attention to that. Didn't that really, you know? Or if she's not here, she'll want to know, well, what color were the flowers? What color were the bridesmaids' dresses? And I've just learned to say they were pink and green because that, I don't pay any attention to that. <laughs> my mind's focused on the wedding. I'm focused on the bride and the groom. I said, the bride usually stands here on my right. The groom usually stands here on my left. The bride's usually dressed in white. The groom's usually dressed in a dark tux. I said, and from there I go, I want, I want to focus on them. It's their day. I want to focus on that. Reminds me of the story of a little girl who was attending her first wedding. And boy, she was just caught up in everything that was going on. The beauty of how everything was decorated, the candles, the flowers, the bride's dresses, all of that. Then here comes the bride down the aisle in her flowing white dress. And the little girl asked her mother, why is she dressed in that beautiful white dress? And her mother thought, well, this is an opportune time. Do some teaching. She says it represents her purity. She saved herself sexually until she could uh, give herself to her husband. And, and she is coming down in purity. And it's also the happiest day of her life. And she's coming in that wonderful, beautiful clothing to celebrate that. And then the little girl looked back at her mother and she said, then why is the groom dressed in black? <laughs> well, Jesus tells this parable that we'll look at here. In Matthew 22, about the wedding feast to tell us, 
as he did in the parable that we looked at in Luke last week, that we are all invited. But the reality is, while some will celebrate and have a wonderful time at that wedding, others will have a different experience. Now let's look at what Jesus gives to us uh, in a way of teaching here about the kingdom and the marriage feast here in uh, Matthew chapter 22. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen are fat and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he said, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king called the attendants, tie him hand and foot, and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This is one parable in which Jesus has a summary principle at the end. And he simply says, many are invited, but few are chosen. Well, to understand this parable, we need to understand the historical setting in which we find this. Jesus is on his way to the cross. He's just a short time away from going to the cross and giving himself up as that sacrifice. Where he will allow himself to be nailed to the cross, his body sacrificed, and his blood shed. And in the meantime, he's spending all of his time teaching about the kingdom. He's there on the Temple Mount day in and day out, teaching and talking and even sometimes arguing with the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and all that's going on. And obviously, what he's making reference to here is that the Jewish people to whom God sent the Messiah, Jesus himself, and, and to whom he had promised the Messiah, rejected the Messiah. And so God was angry with them. And when he talks about he sent an army to come and to destroy them, that's exactly what happened. That God decided to extend his gracious invitation to the Gentiles. And then 40 years later, right on that very spot, that the nation of Israel, Jerusalem, was seized. And the nation of Israel suffered a tremendous loss as invading Roman army came and destroyed uh, the city of Jerusalem and destroyed the Temple Mount. He was talking about all of that when he described this in graphic detail and found in other places. So all that is the backdrop behind uh, this, this parable about the wedding feast. And it sets the table for us literally as we anticipate the future. When we sit down as the bridegroom, with the bridegroom as the bride of Christ and we celebrate together the marriage feast of the Lamb. But today we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper and anticipate that in the future. And when we do so, there are three implications or three uh, kingdom implications for us as we've looked at through all this series about this parable and what it says to us. Number one, God is planning a party for his son's wedding. 
That's exactly what's taking place in this story. See, in the parable, a king is having a wedding party for his son, who is the prince. And we looked last week, when I think we came to understand this, a, a wedding in, a, in the time of Jesus lasted several days. Initial invitation had been sent out like a save to date. No specific time was put on that. And so then the messengers would be sent out later when everything was ready, and they would say, come, now is the time you've accepted the invitation. And here again, once again on that day, people began to make excuses. And there's some rather severe action that takes place in this parable versus the one we looked at last week. Now, obviously in this parable, God is the king and Jesus is the son. And a wedding party is being planned in heaven. And the Bible describes it in this way in Revelation 19. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. That describes the marriage feast of, of the Lamb, where we the church are the bride and he is the groom. And our parable reminds us here that at that wedding feast, which has been planned in heaven, It is describing for us our Christian life, our life in the kingdom of God, that it is a time of celebration. It is a feast. It's like celebrating at the reception at a wedding when a couple is desperately in love with one another. And you celebrate the goodness of God and bringing them together and the blessings upon marriage that He gives to us. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful celebration. It's a wedding party. I read this week from a Guinness World Book of Records that the largest and most lavish wedding in modern history took place in Dubai several years ago. An Arab prince was married, and the cost of the 10-day wedding celebration was $44 million. Can you imagine that? Well, that's really nothing. That cost is really nothing compared to the cost of the marriage of the Lamb that we will celebrate in as the bride. Because we see the elements here today of the bread and the cup that remind us of the cost, what it cost God, that He gave His Son and sacrificed Him on the cross, that His body was sacrificed, His blood was shed so that we could have forgiveness and we could be a part of the kingdom of God. Now the second implication from this parable is that everyone is invited to the wedding feast. As we looked last week and we saw the parable, those who were invited to the king's party refused the invitation and they insulted the king. In this parable, we've already noticed, the king reacted in rage and he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned the city. Then once again, he sent out his servants to go out into the streets and to gather people to come and fill the banquet hall. And as we looked last week, we saw that the God that we know, the God that we love, is a God of love. And He's not to be feared, except in reverence and in awe, uh, like other gods of other religions are that basically say, run from me, and they live in fear of that God. But we looked again and saw that God's favorite word is come, come to me. Come to me uh, if you hunger and thirst, and let's, uh, let's come and reason about your sins. And though they are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And He talked about come at the end of the book, that the bride and the groom say, come. And so from Genesis to Revelation, we see that God is opening His arms and saying, Come to me. Come to me because I love you. I want a relationship with you. I want you to come. Be a part of my kingdom. You're invited to the banquet. You're invited to the wedding. You're invited to the celebration. And that leads to the third implication. 
And you might think at first it's rather harsh, but proper clothing is required for admission. So we don't have a dress code at church, but God has a dress code for his kingdom. It's not necessarily coat and tie, okay? And while you might think the king here in the parable was rather harsh, you have to understand something. When a wedding like that took place, the, the king would have wedding garments for his guests to put on so that they would be dressed in wedding garments appropriate for celebrating the wedding. Now, for some reason, obviously, this man who was invited off the street had clothes prepared for him so he could have participated in the wedding feast, but he chose not to. And so the king, again, reacted in anger, had him thrown out. And it's a teaching to us that proper clothing is required for admission, and we're talking about spiritual clothing as well. See, the New Testament teaches that you have to be wearing the right clothes to get into heaven's wedding party. You need to be clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and that's what happens when you place your faith in Christ. God removes your old garments of sin and self-righteousness and replaces it with the righteousness of the robe of Jesus Christ. And Paul described our new clothes in Galatians 3.27 when he says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. See, at the wedding party here, anyone not wearing the proper clothes were thrown out, and the implication is simple. We do not enter the kingdom of God on our terms, but on God's terms. And that's exactly what Isaiah wrote many, many years ago when he asked the question, How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind our sins sweep us away. So you cannot wear your filthy garments of self-righteousness and be accepted into the kingdom of God. But when you come in faith to Jesus Christ and trust Him as your Savior and the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, God clothes you in righteousness. And that's the clothing that's required to be a part of the wedding feast that will take place in heaven. Now, the end of this parable finds Jesus saying, many are invited, but few are chosen. I think we really paraphrase that. I think he's saying all are invited, but only a few choose to accept the invitation. And the reality is still true today. God has invited you. He's invited everyone to come and be a part of his kingdom. But some of you will refuse that invitation. Some of you have accepted it. If you've accepted it graciously, then you will rejoice in the kingdom of God forever. Today we celebrate the Lord's Supper and remember what Jesus did for us. That he gave his life sacrificially on the cross. His body sacrificed, his blood shed. So that we could know the forgiveness of sins and the removal of guilt and shame. And that we would be cleansed spiritually through his blood. We also celebrate the Lord's Supper today and we anticipate that greater celebration to come. When the kingdom of God comes in all of its fullness, when the kingdom of God is fulfilled, and we, the bride of Christ, sit down with the bridegroom, and we are feasting together at the marriage feast of the Lamb. So to this Lord's Supper meal today, Jesus says, come, for all is ready. See, he's given his life for you. We remember that through the bread, which represents his broken body. We remember that through the cup of juice, which represents his blood shed to establish a new covenant 
based upon love and grace and mercy. And Jesus says, come and partake of this because we will not do this again together until we celebrate in the kingdom that would be fulfilled in a time yet to come. But Jesus says today, come. Come to the wedding feast and let's celebrate together. So the invitation to you is if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've accepted his forgiveness, if you know that you've been clothed in his righteous garments and the righteousness of his love and his forgiveness, then he invites you to come and partake of the bread and to partake of the cup and to remember what Jesus has done for you. Whether you're a member of this church or not, but you're a believer in Christ, we invite you to participate in this meal as we celebrate together and anticipate the kingdom yet to come.